Welcome to our Wednesday evening Vespers. Please join me in the confession of sin as you find it beginning on page 120. Dearly beloved, we've come together in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at His hand, to set forth His most worthy praise, to hear His holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and salvation. Oh, come, let us worship Him. Let us kneel and bow down before Him. Let us confess our sins with penitent hearts and obtain forgiveness by his infinite grace and mercy. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed the devices and desires of our hearts. We have offended against your holy law. We have done those things which we should not have done, and we have not done those things which we should have done. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Spare us and restore us according to the promises you have declared to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. For his sake, grant that we may live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Lift up your hearts with comfort and joy. The Almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all of our sins, grace for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise for our hymn.
O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the be seated for the lesson. A reading this evening, which will also serve as the basis for tonight's homily, is taken from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter, beginning with verse 18. While Jesus spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put, aside, put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. Thanks be to God.
Let us join our hearts in prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, in this week in the church, where, church year when we remember the many saints who have gone before us, we pray that by the preaching and teaching of your word that you would cause us to be part of this same wonderful flock of our dear Good Shepherd, that someday we may follow in their train and sing your praises eternally in the mansions above. We ask it all in our Lord's saving name. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed who have been purchased and bought back to God by the suffering, death, and resurrection of his only Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God's grace, kindness, and compassion are yours to be found alone in that Redeemer. Amen. When my son was about seven years old, I was taking care of him at home one day, and he had woken up that morning with, seemed like a bit of a fever. And I took out the thermometer, not the type we use today, but this was the old mercury thermometer, and I put it under his tongue, and he sat on the couch for a couple minutes, and I went back to check on it, and I looked, and it didn't seem to have registered very much. And then I realized that the tip of the thermometer was broken, and that some of the mercury had been coming out. And I looked, and here inside of the case that it was supposed to be in, there was mercury down in the bottom. I didn't know a lot about mercury poisoning, but I knew enough that you can die from it. And I immediately grabbed my son and put him in the car, drove as fast as I could to the local clinic, and came in and explained the situation. I brought the thermometer to the, uh, the nurse that I was talking to, and she didn't know much about it either. And uh, we both went into a little bit of a panic for uh, the sake of my son. turned out that he was fine. If there was any that he got in his system, it wasn't enough to really harm him at all. But for a few moments there, I had this horrible, awful feeling that I had poisoned my own son. And to watch your child go through something, potentially, uh, that pertains to their health can just be an awful thing. Parents will tell you if they have to place a little child in the hospital, for instance. My daughter's had a son that's had to be in the hospital. And uh, it's just an awful feeling. Uh, it's, and it's something you won't really understand fully, maybe, until you're a parent. And uh, to see what that's like of, of uh, watching your child go through something like that. This man in our text tonight that we know also as Jairus from the other Gospels, I'm sure had gone through some awful, horrible days uh, watching his little girl have to go through this illness that now ultimately finally claims her life. And I've talked to people who have, a uh, number of people who have lost children as um, uh, when they were parents and when the kids were little. It's one of the hardest things for people to go through. I always wonder what it was like for our first parents, Adam and Eve, to come across the body of their son Abel and to realize that it was their disobedience to God that brought now this tragedy into the world and the very hatred in their other son who had killed their boy Abel. Just think of all the, all the challenges of understanding what it's like to really live in this veil of tears and the, the difficulties of the fall into sin that had now befallen them and in their future lives too. The um, 
the hard thing when it's a child is you feel like there's so little you can do to help them. And everyone in the room wishes you could take a part of this illness or suffering away from them and just wishes there was some way that you could, you, you could take this away. But it just doesn't work like that, of course. Anyone would love to trade places at that moment when it's their own child. So there are certain times when the very weight of the fall into sin falls on a particular family or a particular parent. And uh, we certainly see that with this man tonight. But he, he comes to the right place with his petition. He goes to the feet of the Son of God. He goes to the feet of Jesus Christ himself. And we're not told how, but somehow he had come to know this, this Christ to be the Messiah. We're told he came and worshipped him. And whenever we hear that phrase in Scripture, I always wonder, what did that entail? Did that entail dropping before him? How did he address him? But it's described here in the sense of a believer who comes and now worships the Son of God. He recognizes him as the one who has the almighty power uh, to bring help to his daughter, to his family. And so Jesus now goes, through his, goes to his house. And we're told this interesting story of another healing that takes place on the way of this woman with a blood disorder. And it's, as, it's almost as if God the Holy Spirit records this entire situation. We don't know exactly how long it took, but there's a bit of a delay here. And it's almost as if Jesus is setting the scene intentionally and having this girl now die. And because he knows full well how he's going to address the situation. And he's going to not only use this as a way to display his divine power for this little girl and her dad and family, but that it will be recorded in the pages of Holy Writ for us even as we meditate upon it tonight. And I just love the lines that we read in the Gospels about this story. Uh, one of the Gospel writers says that Jesus comes into the room and says, Make room. And he, he pushes past all of the people that are involved. All of the people that have been paid probably to come to this ruler's house and to cry as a professional mourners to show sadness for the family. But Jesus now, like a very highly skilled doctor, pushes past all of these individuals. And in the same way that somebody, a doctor on a beach, may be finding a child that's struggling to breathe, after a swimming incident, and there are people gathered around that don't know what to do, but the skilled physician is able to come in and part the ways and make, make his way directly to the patient. Here we see the Son of God coming to the aid of this precious girl. And he, he declares such a wonderful statement uh, when he comes into the situation and walks past these mourners. She's not dead but sleeping. She's not dead but sleeping. And as we might expect from our, our human reason, the way we would look at things, we're told they ridiculed him. That's the difference between how the Son of God looks at something and our limited human minds look at things. The Son of God is above all the rules and laws and manipulations of nature. He's able to, to, to stop storms by just raising his hand and saying a few words. He's able to bring people's bodies back to life out of the graves. Uh, he looks at death in a completely different way than you and I might and with our limited human minds and understanding. 
the things that constrain us in our world and in our lives are absolutely nothing to God himself. As Mary said when told about her upcoming pregnancies, uh, when, or was told, as she was told, nothing is impossible with God. And so God occasionally records these little comforting resurrections in the Bible. Isn't it interesting to think of a number of them? And it's almost like he's selected different ages of people that, uh, that are brought back to life from the dead so that every age of Christian and every believer of different ages can kind of recognize children and adults and even those who are older, all for our comfort. And so because of this, the Son of God invites you through faith in him to stare at your death in a whole different way, to look at your future death with absolute defiance. Not because of anything in you, but because of the power that he brings to you through this precious gift of faith. I think of this man, Jairus, inviting the Son of God to go to his home, knowing that the, the powers of darkness and the devil had brought this awful death upon this little girl and on her body. But he now brings someone into the room and into the house that is in charge of all of this, the entire situation. He invites the Son of God to the bedside of his dead little girl, knowing full well he has the power to heal her and bring her back to life, which he does, of course. And this is what God would have you do, likewise, someday for your children and for the people in your family, to invite the very Son of God himself to come by the bedside of your loved one as they die. Because there's nobody else that can turn death around back to life. And so what a precious thing it is that our Savior shows us throughout Scripture the power that he places and into his little words that he speaks. We're told in the book of Mark that all Jesus said to her were the words, Talitha kum, just two tiny little words. Little one, get up, is what those words actually mean. Just think how easy it is for the Son of God to restore life. The things that hold us down and make us fearful and afraid and, and concerned about things into the future. How easy it is for the Son of God, just by saying a couple words, to overrule all of this and to cause this tremendous resurrection. The night that Jesus was crucified on Good Friday, we're told that suddenly at his death, a number of graves of the saints were opened in Jerusalem. What a sight that must have been. We're told by Matthew, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Kind of as a little prelude to what's going to happen in the great resurrection on the last day. The saints, the holy ones of God, who are going to come out of their graves. And it's all because the Son of God himself has died and defeated death by his own death. What a beautiful little foretaste that was of the coming resurrection. And I have always thought it's fitting that in the early church, the resurrection of Christ was one of, the, one of the key images that was used and painted in their sanctuaries and down in the catacombs, uh, the images of the resurrection, because that's the hope that we live for. That's the, that's the most precious thing that our Savior has come to give all of us. I'm going to close with a little story that happened in Georgia about 20 years ago. There was a junior high school uh, down in Georgia where uh, one day before school started, 
there was a group of Christian students that met for a little prayer group. There were about a dozen of them. And they were in a circle, just having a little prayer together and meditation on the Bible. And suddenly a shooter came in and shot and killed one of the girls. And um, uh, what was interesting is at her funeral, her parents intentionally chose a white casket and handed out markers to all of the young people that were in that prayer group, those Christian kids. And they were invited to come up before her funeral and to write their favorite Bible passages all over that white casket. Uh, What a picture that is of how the powerful Word of God just waits for the final day when the bodies of His faithful will rise out of their grave. And what strength and hope we have in that tremendous Word that we have been blessed to receive. Thanks be to God for the hope that he gives us and all of his saints in the resurrection and uh, the wonderful word that guides us and directs us and will someday lift us right out of our graves, graves right through the sod as we rise up to our eternal home in heaven. Amen.
let us pray. Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us in the end of the day, in the end of our life, and in the end of the world. Abide with us with your grace and goodness, with your holy word and sacrament, with your strength and blessing. Abide with us when the night of affliction and temptation comes upon us, the night of fear and despair when death shall come. Abide with us and with all the faithful through time and eternity. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.